Hey, women's basketball fans, welcome to Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans brought to you by Black Rosie Media and hosted by Erica L. Ayala. Welcome, basketball fans, to another episode of Gotta Get Up, our podcast for New York Liberty fans. My name is Erica L. Ayala. I'm the founder of Black Rosie Media. I have been a writer and contributor to multiple places, including the New York Times, Forbes, uh, The Athletic, and Sports Illustrated covering the WNBA. And I am joined by Brian Florentin. We were on last week, and I had to have you back, Brian, because you are an expert in all things not only New York, but Brooklyn basketball very particularly. And you're actually at Barclays right now. Yes, um, I am in a different location. It's, you see a little bit of the artwork behind me. I think that's Taylor. That's that's actually Mick Jagger. Never mind. I was going to say Taylor Swift, <laughs> but that's Mick Jagger. <laughs> it's Mick Jagger. Yes. So Barclay is one of the it's an entertainment um, a place, obviously. So lots of pictures. I love the picture. I also like the room where they have the 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 big uh, blown up photo of the Brooklyn Bridge. That's that's pretty dope too. <laughs> Very awesome. Well, Brian, you are still at Barclays because we are recording immediately after post-game media availability. The New York Liberty, they took on the Connecticut Sun. Now I thought this was gonna be a good matchup and it really was. It was a good test, I think, for both of these teams. The Connecticut Sun came in 3-0, undefeated on the season. The New York Liberty played only two games, split those one and one as we talked about last week. But the Liberty hands the Connecticut Sun their first loss of the season. They get an 81-65 win. What were your immediate thoughts coming right off of the game and how the Liberty in particular performed? thought one big key, and it was something that was evident, was that they were a lot more purposeful after halftime. I didn't think that they were sort of like slow in the first half per se, but you sort of felt more of, they played with more force, there was like a more, there was more pop to what they were doing, and they were really able to really sort of like come up the passing lane so Kaneke can get anything going. They got out in transition a lot more, they got downhill a lot more. They started taking more three-pointers, and something I noticed during half time is that Connecticut usually doesn't take many threes, but they had outshot the Liberty on the three-point line. I want to say an attempt like 17 to 8, somewhere around there in the first half. So it was almost like the, the script almost flipped in a sense where New York was put, picking up the pace more, hunting the three-point shot a little bit more, getting downhill, and really sort of shutting off Connecticut and making it even more difficult for them to score. Yeah, I and and I know you were in the room, but we also heard from Sandy Brondello, who felt that the first quarter in particular, I mean, some of the language that she used to describe it was sleepy. She talked talked about the team being sleepy in the first half um, and that they just didn't move the ball, felt the ball was getting stuck on one side of the court. And um, some of the things that were able to turn that around were in particular, not only the three-point shooting, I also know at halftime, the turnovers, the New York Liberty had given Connecticut 
10 points on six turnovers. And, you know, that was something that stood out to me that the New York Liberty was going to need to really bring that number down. But we know that Connecticut is a team that they will try to slow things down if they feel the game is getting out of hand. The game definitely got physical, not in a bad way. I think they were battling, like, you know, in a, a good earnest, like we're here to ball type of way. Stewie ends up with a shiner, AT, you know, getting different fouls. Tiff Hayes was all over the place. But I think that what I liked is that this New York Liberty team battled through that without getting into their head too much. They settled into their defense. They, they really got things moving to Sandy's point in the second half. Another thing that she mentioned was that Courtney Vandersloot was able to move downhill. And that's something that Sloot has done very effectively in her WNBA career. Obviously, all of that with the Chicago Sky. But by having Slooty be able to move the ball and cut, to the, cut through the defense, she's able to then spread that defense and create options. That made, I mean, Stewie started shooting lights out from three. Thornton had a full head of steam. Stewart from Queens! Mm -hmm. Yeah, one thing that I, I really sort of noticed throughout the game was that the ball movement was really sharp, and especially for a long team like Connecticut, if you're able to get them moving side to side, you sort of create more mismatch opportunities. You're, you're getting them off kilter just enough, and then that's where you're able to really sort of like get downhill or find those proper angles to really attack Connecticut and I thought they did a lot better job of that after halftime and yeah. I thought a lot of it started with them sort of completing possessions on the defensive end um something mm -hmm. that I don't think we didn't get a chance to ask in post game was that Connecticut came into the game second overall in rebounding and the Liberty won the rebounding battle and last mm -hmm. year that was that was that was one point where they struggled at as far as like completing possessions getting these rebounds and matching teams physicality like a Connecticut so the fact that they were able to do that and play, I think, like you mentioned, the physical game, but an intense game, which I, I thought yeah. is being able to match that energy and really be able to attack a team, a proud team like Connecticut, I thought was very indicative of what of where they can, what they built so far and where they can go next. Yeah, I love it. Looking at some of these stats here, obviously we said the game was 81-65 in favor of the New York Liberty. Rebounds, to your point, were 39-33. Um, you also saw the three-point percentage, 40.9% clip for the New York Liberty, 34.8% for uh, the Connecticut Sun. Other things that we see here, second chance points, 17 for the New York Liberty. So that goes also to the rebounding. 40 points in the paint against a Connecticut Sun team that has Brianna Jones, uh, you know, I mean, that has Alyssa Thomas. And so they really were able to play a solid game. Total turnovers, Connecticut got turned over 17 times, uh, 13 for the New York Liberty. The Connecticut Sun did have more points off of um, – Turnovers. They were able to score 28 points. And that's because we know we heard from head coach Stephanie White. They are a team that they like to lock down defensively so then they can get their offense going in transition. Okay. Key players or, you know, who are some key performers do you think for tonight, both for the New York Liberty and for the Connecticut Sun? 
Um, for New York, I'm gonna start with Kayla Thornton. Like everyone in post game was just like gushing about how fantastic she was. Like she brought so much energy off the bench. And there was one play, I want to say maybe in, like the second quarter, where I think she got like two offensive rebounds in one possession. I think it wound up leading to a bucket. Just her ability to sort of crash the glass be physical, make those smart, timely cuts on offense. I think there was like one play where she, she, I think she was in the receiving end of a good Steph Dolson pass from the high post and finished at the rim. I think that bucket had got the connected lead down to like one point in the second quarter. So KT was really all over the court and she was really able to sort of like make that impact and be able to sort of slow Connecticut down in that regard. So I thought that the way she played and she led the game in plus minus as well. So even though a single game plus minus could be a little bit wonky, just it's it's one small thing that indicates just how all over the basketball all over the all over the basketball court she was. And I thought that she was really fantastic. And yeah, I was, seven, sorry, just seven rebounds overall. Only had six points, but you mentioned the plus minus. It was Jackie Powell, one of our contemporaries, that was asking that question. And again, we heard Sandy Brondello just talking about um, that she is so important to the New York Liberty success because of her effort and the energy that she puts in. So that plus 19, you know, I'm also a hockey reporter and you often hear hockey coaches or players talk about making the right play at the right time. And that sounds like mm -hmm. Kayla Thornton. Yep. Yeah. She made, I felt like, and she was on the closing five when the game was still within balance. So that was another sign of trust in what she's doing and confidence that, hey, this player is playing really well. Let's ride it out and let her really take us to the finish line. So I thought that was fantastic. And my second right. place, but, oh, no, uh, I would say my second place on the Liberty is Brianna Stewart. Um, I saw it tweeted during the game. She was, she wound up finishing one block away from the second five by five game in WNBA history. So she, even though her shot wasn't there early, I think she finished like seven for 16 overall. That doesn't tell the whole story about her game. She was all in the passing lanes. She was able to get the team out in transition. She was able to make those timely three pointers. And I think the fact that she was able to have that impact on that side, Alyssa, Alyssa Thomas on Connecticut wound up going 0 for 5 from the field. And I think she coming into the game was averaging 18 a night and just like finishing at the rim consistently over any type of defense you saw. The fact that Stu and Liberty were able to sort of keep her in check was a great sign of what Brianna has brought to the defense. And just on the other side, just her ability to sort of move around, move, move in a timely fashion, cut at the right time. I think that that ability opens up so many things for New York. And if a possession is going stagnantly, she's able to sort of read and react and then flash open at the right time and then create a good look either for herself or for her teammates. I love it. Yeah. I mean, holding AT to, as you said, 0 for 5 um, from the field, she had five points overall and was a minus 12. So, you know, I think though on the, on the plus side for the Connecticut Sun and players that made things more difficult for the New York Liberty, Tiffany Hayes, she not only led mm -hmm. the Connecticut Sun with 16 points, but she was pesky. She was kind of playing that Kayla Thornton role for the Connecticut Sun. Definitely uh, at a few plays was worse for the wear or so it looked. Uh, Dewana Bonner also had 
14 points and at some times was really willing Connecticut to slow the bleeding. It just couldn't ever come to fruition. Connecticut is a great team. They sometimes do have difficulty executing down the stretch. And that's ultimately what we saw here, I think, from this team. Now, I wanted to talk now, Brian, I know you are at, you were at the game, so you wouldn't have gotten the overall broadcast experience, but this is a WNBA game that was hosted on CBS. So not only CBS, but we have ION, that's in addition to ABC slash ESPN, obviously League Pass and the individual uh, teams have their local broadcasts. So we're seeing more coverage when you have a New York Liberty team that, again, article here, article there about a super team, although Sandy Brandello is not buying the hype. She's not She's not buying that, but everyone else is. But when you see not only that you have a team with some bonafide superstars, past, present, future, but also we're seeing the coverage grow and they're able to perform on a CBS stage as they did this afternoon. What do you think that means not only for the league, but for New York? I think it's fantastic. A friend of mine always says the game is best when it's available and free. So I've been thinking about that in the context of the WNBA for a while. Like you, you want to have things that are accessible. You want to have them. You want to have things on a, on a channel that everyone can get to. You want to have it at a time where everyone can get to, in a location everyone can get to. So I thought that that part was really great. And with it being on the big CBS channel, on, on all the networks, either if you have broad, if you have cable or satellite or whatever, just on the regular CBS, I think that part is huge as well. And I think that it speaks to just the game continuing to sort of like push itself to be out in more spaces, be more expansive, be more inclusive, be more available to people. And on ION, I had a little bit of a situation yesterday because I'm like, wait, how do I get, I'm on the road. How am I going to get ION on my TV app? I couldn't, but luckily it's on Tubi. Ion is, is fully on Tubi, so I could just like hop in right there. Game came off seamlessly. It, it looked, the presentation was great. The video quality was fantastic. So I think just being accessible in so many different areas for people is only going to allow the game to grow even more. And something that Brianna mentioned in her in her TV post game interview last Sunday that she wants the people there, but she wants them to come back. And I think mm -hmm. that by playing well playing in an exciting fashion and winning games here at home it's gonna it's gonna bring people to come back they, they're, they're, gonna, they're gonna want to tell their friends they're gonna tell their family they're gonna tell like their community groups like you know churches things like that so just being able to create a product that's welcoming and accessible and i think family friendly too where everybody can come in you know whatever whatever you bring to the game you can have fun and enjoy it it's going to be something for you i feel like that part is incredibly important and it's something that i think the league should continue sort of like building on and highlighting amongst players teams and fans as well and you mentioned free and accessible of course, I think there's also an onus on each individual team. And to that end, we've seen the New York Liberty be one of just a cluster of teams that's kind of giving us an all access or behind the scenes within like a, a docu-series within the season. It also included a little bit about Niara Sabali, who got in her first regular season game against Connecticut. She did take on Connecticut in the preseason. Um, but first I wanted to talk to you a, a little bit about 
that accessibility coming from the New York Liberty and, and the way that they're trying to make the team accessible to the community? Yeah, I think one thing that the Liberty do really well is that they 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 do a lot of events in the community. They try to grow the game as much as possible. Back in I want to say March, I was on site along with Jackie Powell of the Next at a at a at a free basketball clinic the Liberty and Brooklyn Nets did at a public school in Brooklyn. Like they were able to sort of like build that relationship with the children there. They were really able to sort of like build community, foster that positive environment, and really make something accessible. And you know, I think. And I think also, speaking of that, just vitally important because in New York, a lot of like education services are cut. So if you have a community sort of institution like the Liberty helping out and making the game accessible for people of all stripes, that part matters a lot. Just being present with the people. I think game day is always one thing, but just the stuff outside of the game matters just as much. So if you're a good community member, if you're engaged, if you're involved, if we see you in different settings and environments, you know, you're welcoming to us. The people will love you and appreciate you and support you through thick and thin. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another thing that we've seen is also the Heritage Nights and having Hanju, who we talked about last week, but as if I remember correctly, um, is AAPI, which is Asian American Pacific Islander. Also, some people throw in Native Hawaiian into that mix, but at Black Rosie Media, for sure. And, I, you know, I believe the local W shares this with me. You know, we really want to elevate, as I like to say, melanated people in sports, but particularly for Black Rosie Media and sports media. Uh, so I love that they've had that. They've been celebrating Juneteenth for several years now. I've been able to go to some of those panels talking about that, talking about racial justice, social justice, and they've been doing that since the Westchester days. And I really give a lot of credit to Kia Clark. She's been pioneering a lot of that for the New York Liberty. But I want to go back to Niara. Again, check out that all access for the New York Liberty docuseries that they have going on. Um, you know, uh, I think that she can be a really interesting player. We talked a little bit about her and Han last time. Um, but what did you see from Niara's game today as she gets into action in the regular season? I would say pass with flying colors. Like she was incredible. She was terrific. Like this was her pro debut against a big team, a physical team like Connecticut. And she was more than able to hold her own. I thought that she was incredible today. And I, I was wondering if due to JJ's foul trouble, she might get a little bit more minutes and she did. And she was able to quit herself really well. Like she was able to attack the boards. There was one play where she got the offensive rebound. I think she kicked it back out, the possession started started all over again, and it lets like I think it lets a three pointer. Just being able to attack, not not rush herself too much, and she showed a lot of mobility on defense as well too. There was one play, I think it was either Tip Hayes or Natisha Heideman, where she was able to keep up with her as she was driving to the basket and contest her shot. I thought that it was incredible and. I think that going forward, they're definitely going to try to put her in more situations where she won't have to put too much on her shoulders. She can just continue mm -hmm. to learn the game, play with her teammates who are going to look to set her up, make things easier for her, and then she'll be able to continue expanding her game and showing why she was drafted so highly back in 2022. 
I love it. You hit on so many things, including, you know, being that Nier has been injured for so long, unfortunately, didn't really get to see her much at Oregon and obviously not last year, but to see her mobility, like you said, was huge. She was plus 11 since we talked about plus minus um, with Kayla Thornton. She had six points. She had three rebounds overall in just under 14 minutes. So I, I agree with you. I think passes with flying colors. We do know that John Quell Jones, whether it's fatigue or frustration, and definitely when it's a combination of the two, she can find herself in foul trouble. And she found herself there early on in this game with being a little bit flustered at times with the physicality um, and, and really having difficulty uh, not moving on those screens with some of the more uh, slippery, if we will, Connecticut sun guards. So I think it's going to be interesting to see Niara. I know she, it looked like she maybe got a, a little bit banged up, but she was able to recover. So, you know, maybe just got the wind knocked out of her. Hopefully nothing that need that got tweaked or, you know, needs additional rest. Cause I'd love to see her play. I do want to show this real quick, Brian, because first of all, I've been learning to appreciate data analytics in my time Ooh. as a hockey writer, but look at, I know, right? We get all of these fancy charts and I love, um, I know a lot of people love heat maps, but I love game flow charts. Uh, I mean, also just kind of looking at these game stats, again, the visualization so much better, so much better than what we've ever gotten from the WNBA directly. Uh, but you see, we talked about Stewie and her 21 points. I talked about Tiff and the game that she had. I love this also. Team leader Sabrina Ionescu with seven rebounds. I mean, we know she's a triple-double queen, um, so we, we know about that but also the blocks from Stewie. So just wanted to share that because I love a, a good data viz. Uh, I love a good data viz. Uh, so, okay. Now let's talk about what is to come from this New York Liberty squad because Brianna Stewart and Courtney Vandersloot, along with Sandy Brondello, talked to media not only about the, the opponents to come, but how they might need to manage those emotions. Why was that a topic of conversation in post-game media availability? Yeah, to wrap up today's post-game, one of the reporters asked, like, you know, because today was JJ's first game against her old team, and now Tuesday night, we're heading to Seattle first, where Brianna's going to see her old teammates in Seattle. And then Friday night on Ion, <laughs> it's going to be Courtney Vandersloot seeing her old team. And then that's actually going to be the start of a home-and-home home set between the Liberty and the Sky. And Sandy talked just about managing the emotions of a homecoming game and just sort of like making sure that, you know, we don't get too high. We don't sort of try to do too much when we see our old colleagues and friends. So I, the conversation was really about how do you sort of manage the emotions of that? Because Sandy herself went through that last season twice when she returned to Phoenix. And it was a situation in both games where the Liberty really tried to really win it for her and then it led to them not really executing in the ways that we had known them to so it's just a matter of you know managing managing your own almost like regulating yourself in a sense whereas you're trying to like just the best way to approach it is just like treating it like a regular day in a sense and not trying to be extra special because you're back in your old stomping grounds 
Yeah. And it's something, again, coming from the hockey, we call them like revenge games. I cover a team, the Seattle Kraken, that happens to be an expansion team. So literally the first year, everyone played a revenge game because their teams did not protect them in the expansion draft. So every player on that team was going up against their former team in the first year. And so for those uh For those Liberty fans that are going to be following along with us here on the Gotta Get Up podcast, a podcast for New York Liberty fans, here's what we have going. Just as Brian mentioned, the first game um, that on the road coming up this week is going to be Tuesday, May 30th at Climate Pledge Arena. That's also where the Kraken play. They're going to be taking on a Seattle Storm team that also looks very different. Now, Kia Nurse had a great performance. It's also going to be a revenge game for her, although she did have one last year because she was with Phoenix as well. Then on Friday, the New York Liberty will head back to Central Time or to Central Time, which is where I am, and they will be taking on the Chicago Sky. That's 6 p.m. Eastern Time. The, The game on Tuesday, 9 p.m., Eastern uh, Standard Time. And then they come back, as you said, to the home and home and we'll have the Chicago Sky. Now that's going to be a Commissioner's Cup game. It counts towards the overall points in the Commissioner's Cup uh, showdown. It's going to be at Barclays Center. It's a 2 p.m. game Sunday and that's June 4th. So you know that we're going to have to have you back and uh, you know, we'll see where you're set up in Barclays for that. But it's going to be <laughs> Um, of New York Liberty basketball. And I think it's interesting because something that Sandy talked about yesterday, or I should say right before Saturday's game on Friday, she talked about how the New York Liberty almost had like a mini training camp. They had two games right out the gate and then didn't play again until Saturday when they got the win over the Connecticut Sun. So they had time to really focus on some things. So I'm very curious to see how the New York Liberty play against the Storm again. They're still having a little bit of a seesaw season, but the Chicago Sky have been playing really well. And I think that's going to be another good test for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing I'm excited about to watch in the Chicago game is how New York controls the pace. Like in, in, in the game Chicago played against Washington last night, they were really deliberate as far as like getting out in transition. You block a shot, you know, they're getting it out to Kalia Copper in transition and she's able to finish over anybody. So just being able to control the pace and not rush shots because you're trying to keep up with, with Chicago's fast paced attack. That's going to, I think, a big test of what New York's program has been doing the past couple weeks. So I think that's definitely going to be exciting to see. And for Tuesday night's game, it's aside from the emotion of Brianna being back, how they try to defend a player like Jewel Lloyd is going to be really interesting and exciting. In a post game today, Sandy shouted out Benajah Laney and the work that she did on Dewana Bonner. And now you have, you're going up against another elite score, a top five in the league score in Jewel Lloyd. So it's definitely going to be a great challenge for the defensive side for B and KT. I love that you mentioned that because that's the role that Benajah Laney has been known to play. And quite honestly, when she first came to the New York Liberty, that's the role that she played. But then the New York Liberty, uh, was it a, I, I think they did need, but they also just overall benefited from her finding her shot on the offensive side. So, I mean, we see that in, in the game Saturday um, that Benajah Laney only had two points 
20, almost 27 minutes, only two points, but again, was putting in massive work on the defensive side. So I wonder what overall that's going to look like. But Nigelini, because of her offensive production, has been getting a lot of eyes more nationally for the her work and people have been putting respect on Lainey's name and I hope that doesn't go away now that she doesn't have to be basically the one-two punch for the New York Liberty offensively and can go back to playing that defensively sound game yeah one great thing I always think about in basketball when you whenever you have like an elite score like a Brianna and John Quell is that everyone else can slide down a roll and they have less responsibilities on offense to worry about. I feel like that is such a huge burden for the rest of the players in the team, where instead of you having to have the responsibilities of a number two option, you can you can conserve some energy, slide down to a role of number four as far as usage and shots and things like that. And then you can expand on other areas of your game and make that impact. So I think that it definitely has like a, a, a positive effect all across the board where one player you can sort of trust Stewie to be the focal point of the offense and everyone else will get what they get will get theirs what's in the flow of it and create for their own if need and then it gives everyone more energy to sort of like can compete and contest on the on the defensive side as well exactly i mean we're talking about so many great things that's why i love talking new york liberty hoops with you brian thank you so much for joining us once again on gotta get up a podcast for New York Liberty fans, we have three games to recap on our next show, Brian, but we think that they're going to be some good ones. So until next week, make sure that you are following Brian over at the local W. He's got some amazing coverage, him and his team. He is, of course, the head of WNBA content over there at the local W. Also, subscribe to Black Rosie Media on YouTube. That's where this show, Gotta Get Up, lives. And you will get a notification if you're subscribed and you uh, sign up for notifications when we have our new episode up. Uh, you can listen also wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you all for joining us for another episode of Gotta Get Up. And if you have any questions, use hashtag Gotta Get Up. Send it over to us at Black Rosie Media and we'll try to answer your questions on the next show. For Brian, my name once again, Erica L. Ayala, your founder over here at Black Rosie Media. And hey, you know, we got to say light it up NYL, right? Light it up New York Liberty. We got three games. Can't wait. Seafoam season in full effect. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Appreciate it.